Gridiron show and our week 13 preview show slash a little bit of a week 12 review slash talking about all the games coming to London next year. Ollie Hunter returns from his US trip and we hear about the second half of it. Trust me, no more missed flights this time. And we get into your questions on Twitter as well. This has been The Gridiron Show. Well, there you go. First mistake of the podcast. Uh, when, when we actually recorded this show last night, I didn't do it. This has been the Gridiron Show. And obviously, I was so desperate to do one at the end there that I decided to throw in a this has been instead of a this is the. So uh, just a little treat for you on a, th- on a Friday morning. Uh, I am recording the Thursday night review now, and then we'll get into the main bulk of the podcast with Ollie. And there's an old adage in sport. Great teams know how to win when they play badly. And for the third time in recent memory, the Dallas Cowboys absolutely steal one thanks to some big plays and a little slice of luck. But these good teams, they make their own luck. I don't want to rag on the Cowboys too hard. Their win over the Minnesota Vikings last night, 17-15, reminded me very much of the win over the Eagles in Week 8 when they came from behind late and against Washington last week where it turned into a shootout late on in that for three quarters, the better team were not the Dallas Cowboys. Overall, from sideline to sideline, the better team were the opposition. But due to an inability to convert, an inability to score, whatever the weakest unit of the opposition was, the Cowboys were able to keep themselves in it and then win it thanks to some big plays and some little slices of luck. The big plays last night, of course, coming from Des Bryant, his stunning double move to get past Harrison Smith for his 56-yard completion, which was then punched in by Zeke Elliott. And then right at the death of the game with the Vikings leading, uh, uh, yeah, with the Vikings leading, I don't I think they were a point down. Sorry, they they went and struck. And yes, yeah, sorry. Let's get that right. With the Vikings now just uh, a point down and with a good chance of, of driving, uh, they got a fumble. Adam Phelan fielded a kick. Uh, it was a uh, really good work uh, on the fumble and and on the uh, uh, and on the punch out from. Um, uh, from Wilbur, the uh, the inside linebacker. Uh, but, uh, you yeah, know, they were able to then convert that to a Des Bryant touchdown. Uh, the Vikings finally got their offense together, went down and struck with a touchdown of their own at the end. Um, and then uh, Bradford, uh, Sam Bradford horrendously overthrew on a failed two-point attempt. But as he was being hit in the face, and undoubtedly there should have been a flag, it should have gone back to uh, half the distance to the goal and they should have had another shot at the two-point attempt. No one's saying they would have definitely completed it, but this game deserved overtime. And it deserved overtime because of the performances of Everson Griffin, Danielle Hunter, Brian Robertson, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, the safeties coming up and helping in the blitz because this Vikings defense played their best performance in weeks. They held Dak Prescott to a season low 139 yards. They held Zeke Elliott under 90 rushing yards for the first time since week two. They forced four fumbles over the course of the game. You know, if you're going to talk about these two players hitting a rookie wall... If there's any chance of that happening, which I don't think there is, I think this was just a case of them coming up against a Super Bowl caliber defense. But this would be the start of the decline if it's going to happen because they both struggled in a big way tonight. But they struggled because they were coming up against some brilliant defensive play calling, excellent quality blitzing, a wonderful defensive line, help from the safeties in the blitz. Just everything about this performance I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed from a defensive point of view. But I just, I feel 
bad. Sam Bradford is genuinely playing the best football of his career. And I believe that with a healthy offensive line and with a healthy running back, whether that's Adrian Peterson coming back or whether that's somebody new brought in through the draft, uh, they, this is a team that could go to and win a Super Bowl with Sam Bradford under centre. Prior to North Turner leaving, uh, you know, he had lots of accurate downfield strikes. He was looking really, really strong. He looked like he suited the offence much better than Teddy Bridgewater ever had. And then the, the, the tackles went down. There were the injuries. And from what we understand, uh, you know, Zimmer wanted to simplify the offence and try and protect the health of Sam Bradford. I completely understand that. Uh, but he's now got you know the best passer rating on throws of 15 yards or under in the league because that's all he seems to throw under Pat Shermer. The number of times they threw short of the sticks on third down was just absolutely unbelievable last night. The complete lack of running, running game was stunning. And when they failed to convert on turnovers and got three field goals in that first half, you just felt like it was never quite going to turn itself around and... Uh, they they really cost themselves with a lack of ability on the offensive side of the ball. So the Vikings now slip to six and six. The Cowboys extend their winning streak to 11. Uh, do I still have that feeling that the Seahawks would beat them? I think so in the playoffs, despite the Seahawks' terrible loss last week. Uh, they are a big game team. Uh, they and they that defense will match up to them much like the Vikings' defense did to, tonight. But I don't think that the I think the Seahawks' offense won't do lay a total egg like they did against the Bucks when they come up against the Cowboys because it's still only an average defense at best. Uh, but it's looking more and more likely that actually the Cowboys are a Super Bowl team and I'm going to be buying a jersey. Oh well, shall we return to the main show and hear what Ollie and I had to say about all the upcoming week's action? Uh, Ollie is in fine fettle and good form, and I really enjoyed the show. So, uh, so enjoy. The guy is drunk. Hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show, and joining me in the studio, which is my front room, is the one and only, slightly less beardy, Ollie Hunter. Live, here I, in person, alive. I'm genuinely delighted to have you yeah. home, buddy. Um, lovely to see you. Will. I missed you very much, so. I think the listeners missed you as well. I think it's a co- recurring theme. Some people at work uh, actually missed me. Many said, a- that- What do you mean actually missed you? You're a lovable fellow. Well, yeah. You're Many, very missable. Self-deprecating to the end as well. But a lot of people were aghast at my lack of beard. I'd had the same, not the same beard, obviously, but I was very beardy for about six months. And... Yeah, it's gone. It is. It, the thing is, I understand why people would say it's an improvement, but I, I think I, I think you suit a bigger beard. I just think what you could do is maybe just keep it a bit better. Yeah, I mean, it was use your beard oils, keep it trim. I mean, I, I'm saying that I haven't actually trimmed mine in about a week and a half, and it's starting to look a bit wild. Like I'm getting waves in the side of my beard. It's all getting a little odd, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. you look smart as you do now, but I do like it when you've got the beard. The problem is, someone at work said I look like I've got a biro head now. What's a, a biro head? A biro head. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, no, neither do I. have got a biro head. I, I mean, what an, uh, what shapes a biro? Is it like a, it's a hexagon, isn't it's it? It's a pen, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, I mean, well, my point is, is a biro head. So if you've got a biro, it's like the sixth size. Does that mean you've got like a, a 
a round head with a hexagonal side? Or? Do you know what? I'll find out for the next show. Yeah, I want you to find out exactly what, what is a pyro head. Mean. Uh, so we've got loads to talk about. Um, the end of your trip, we've got to talk about... Uh, I've turned into the English uh, <laughs> um, shifter, apparently. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that was a weird Incredible. development over the last couple of days. Uh, thankfully, you're not the England Rappaport, so... No, uh, I was going to call him our other nickname, but I realise that's not podcast-friendly. <laughs> it's definitely not, not even if you beep it out. Uh, we've got loads of people who got in touch with questions on Twitter, and we asked for your reaction to the fact that there are going to be four London games. I'm saying that with that level of confidence, even though it's not been announced yet. There's a real chance that next week I'm going to look like a right idiot. But do you know what? Do you think NBC will... Was it NBC or CBS? Pro Football Talk. Pro uh, CBS football have talk. picked it up as well. Yeah, you, CBS oh, referenced TalkSport 2 and Hashtag my manager, BBB. Mike Bovell, was the most delighted man. It was brilliant. Wow. Uh, he was genuinely really happy about it. They're... they're um, uh, well, they didn't, actually, they fact, didn't this reference us. This genuinely isn't a conversation that I... Well, they didn't put grid out. They put... One put just London-based radio presenter, and the other put Talk Sport 2's Will Gavin. Uh, I'm going to tell you something off the microphone, and then you can react to it on the microphone. Pretty cool, eh? Oh, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, would, that would be good. Yeah. Does uh, that be yours and mine? Yeah, so you, me, the other person involved... Not the other people involved, but the other person involved from TalkSport. Oh, right, fine, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you know what I mean. Yep. Um, and it would, you know, that would really help. It'd be amazing. Wouldn't that get... That would, that would be great, in fact. Exactly. Mm, yeah, okay. Cool, <laughs> so cool. That's exciting. A nice development from why you've been away. Uh, otherwise, there's not really a huge amount to report. I've been working my ass off. We didn't do a podcast earlier in the week. And the reason we didn't do a podcast earlier in the week is initially I was hoping to get you on the line and do like 20 minutes with you and then do some stuff with other people. That didn't come together because you've been working like an absolute dog, and I appreciate that. And you had the Packers game to go to on Monday and everything else. And then Sherry was going to do it, and he selfishly went and had a bloody baby. I know. What a boring name he gave it, though. <laughs> well, I like the name Thomas, right? Thomas, yeah. yeah it's a nice name. No, I'm not having it. It's, it's old-fashioned. What, boring. are you thinking, like, as an NFL fan, he should have gone with, like, DeBrickashaw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Demarius. Demarius. Gronkow- Gronkowski Sherry would have been fine. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been perfect. It, well, uh, but he could have called him Gronkowski Sherry and then found out that his beloved Gronk is going to be missing until the Super Bowl. Oh, nice segue. Uh, it's too good a segue because I don't want to start talking about that yet, but we will come up with that. Why didn't we? he give it the baby a middle name? Uh, is it not got a middle name? Are you sure it just hasn't told us the middle name? Do you think he, he put the full name in the message he sent? I think you probably it's do. A cu- it's a cute baby. and that's It coming actually from- doesn't look like Sherry's, so it is a cute baby. <laughs> it, this is the thing is, I will say it's a cute baby, and everyone goes, yeah, but all babies are cute. That's not true. I will... I mean, yes, Ollie, this is why I've missed you. I will openly tell people if their baby is ugly. Not Maybe not people, but if I see a picture of a baby and it's an ugly baby, I'm like, yeah. that is an ugly baby. Well, in the stands at... Uh, you can tell we're both not dads, can't you? Yeah, in the stands at, uh, in Philadelphia, I was sat behind a new dad. With an ugly baby. With, who had a fat baby, fat face baby. And I said, no. Oh, fat babies are adorable. Well, this baby was adorable, but I, I openly said to this stranger, who was American, that his baby's got fat face. And he said, yeah, man, really fat face, fat cheeks, but I'll be, he'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> what, sorry, you were in Philadelphia or the Deep South, I'm confused. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, all, it's all the same. I don't know what a Philly accent is. I'm sure, actually, I'm sure a lot of Eagles fans do travel for games. I'm going to try and dig you out of it that way somehow. Thanks, mate. 
Uh, how was the last stage of your trip? We're gonna, so let's just tell me what we're going to do with the show. We're going to talk about those games. We're going to talk about a few bits of news. We're going to preview all of Week 13, but whilst we're previewing Week 13, work in some of our Week 12 hot takes. Because we didn't do a Week 12 show no. because Sherry wasn't here uh, and because Ollie wasn't here. Uh, and so we kind of, we're going to mix the two together a little bit. Um, but yeah, first of all, how was the rest of your trip? The rest of trip was fine. I'm still not quite over the apocalyptic uh, bowel issue. Um, you know where the toilet is, right? I do know where the toilet is. In fact, we is. should maybe swap seats because I'm nearer the stairs. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I did have an issue yesterday at the airport. I managed to get there just about in time. Just about. I got there in time. There's no just about about it. I All was fine. After I spoke to you, I went and got an In-N-Out burger. How did that help your bowels? I was hungry. I really wanted In-N-Out. What What you can do? You still got to eat. Don't get me wrong, I love an In-N-Out burger. Well, I didn't. Oh, what? I had a double-double. Did you come for... what? Hold on. You Were you in Arizona? No, it was in Dallas. You it was in, in Fort Worth, No, Texas. no, but when... Did, did you come to the Super... No, you came to the Super Bowl in San Francisco. Where we didn't have an In-N-Out burger. Ah, right, okay, because we did have one in Arizona and it was really good. Sorry. I don't think it's very good. It might have just been... It must have been a bad chain, because a good In-N-Out burger is a good burger. If, five, if, five Guys is better burger. If the... Um, five Guys, honestly... Is a Five Guys a better burger? It wasn't a good burger. And then the chips were terrible. You definitely went to a bad In-N-Out. Proper In-N-Out chips with the secret sauce and everything else. What? There's a secret sauce? Do you not know about the In-N-Out secret menu? What secret menu? This is why you should have gone to In-N-Out with us. Uh, there is a secret menu at In-N-Out, but it's not really a secret menu because everyone knows about it. And if you ask for the secret menu, you get the chips like covered in fried onions and a special secret sauce and bits on top. And we're going to have to go to In-N-Out. Is there one in Houston? Is there, is I there? should think there'll be an In-N-Out in Houston because it's made it as far as Dallas, which is further east than Houston. It just wasn't good. It wasn't a very good burger. The milkshake, I'll, I'll equate it, right? The burgers are better in Five Guys. The chips are better at Honest Burgers or any other burger chain. That these chips were the worst chips ever, and then the milkshake, McDonald's vanilla milkshake, is better than an In-N-Out milkshake. Whoa. It was really disappointing. There's and one. In, there's one in San Antonio. Well, so when we go for the Royal Rumble, we'll mate, in I think I'm that put off by it that I would rather not. I'm sure. Well, actually, to be fair, we're only in San Antonio for two days. We need to eat barbecue really while we're there. Yeah. So let's do that. I'm not. I'm not impressed by it. And I I tweeted at it about it. Paolo Bandini agreed. Uh, this is a man that's lived in America. I mean, Italians don't really know what they're talking about when it comes to food, though, right? <laughs> if Paolo listens, which he definitely won't, he will be very disappointed in that. Uh, we've had loads of questions here. I don't know how to... Should we do some questions? Yeah, let's, do, well, let's do a few. Let's or do. should we start off with the four games thing and, and go from there? Do the four games. Okay, so first thing is four games in London. Announcement coming next week. Jags at Ravens is is uh, Jags at Ravens. Ravens at Jags is expected to be one of the games in September. That's like ninety percent confirmed. I think one of the reasons the Ravens put out the thing saying that we're in negotiations about a London game was to maybe test the water a little bit. Even though they're the road team and technically don't really have much say in it, mm. I think they wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to get a huge, massive backlash. I think prepare their fans as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we already know about. Uh, 
Saints and Dolphins are very excited about that. Seeing Drew Brees before he, uh, well, before he shifts off the NFL coil. But you know, I've been really impressed with Brees this season, and I wrote a piece for the Tuesday Morning Touchdown for Gridiron this week about how I feel like he's almost a wasted talent, and it's unfair that we don't talk about him in the same breath as Brady and Manning. I think how many Super Bowl rings? As good. What? Just the one ring. Yeah. One NFC Championship appearance, other than the year that they actually got all the way to the Super Bowl and won it, and. To be honest, I think what people see in Breeze is they see a guy who's played with Sean Payton and a terrible defense, and so his stats are inflated because of that. And I think that's unfair. I, I think that I get that there's the whole garbage time argument and everything else, but it's not been garbage time. The Saints have still mostly been a winning franchise in that time. They've gone to the playoffs a bunch of times. I think it's just hard on him. That I also think him not having a great rivalry as well. I think. Manning Brady had each other mm. and I think you look at some of these guys coming up and actually I did see one question we could do this now uh, Tom Knight asks Mariota, Winston, Dak, Carr or Wentz who do you pick to build your franchise around and before we get to that I think you've got Mariota, Luck same division okay a couple of years apart but if the Titans gone to be a good team from here then that could be a one for the future. Dak and Wentz being in the same division, that could be really fantastic. There are kind of there are these potential rivalries where they're gonna go for years and years, and I don't think Drew Brees ever had that. Yeah. Um I think I would take Mariota from that group based on this season. Just say it was Mariota, Winston, Dak, Carr or Wentz. I think if you look at the type of players that have become that franchise quarterback and if you look at them right now, they are Tom Brady, Drew Brees, uh, going Peyton Manning, say, these are all pocket passers. Big Ben Roth. Big Ben Roth, pocket passer. Out of those five, the main pocket passer there is Derek Carr. I'd pick Derek Carr. See, the thing is, Winston's been really impressive in recent weeks, and Mike Evans is is a shout for uh, the best wide receiver in the league right now, with, particularly with AJ Green down and Julio Jones... <sighs> That offense is so good that it's almost like they don't have to rely on him, which means his personal contribution is smaller, even though technically I guess it helps him more overall that he's got that support. I've been really impressed with Winston this season. There's not a player on that list who I think is a bad player. I probably rank, I I probably put Dak at the bottom, but purely because they've kept. What, you've put Dak below Wentz? Come I, on, I think I think no. I think Wentz is the better quarterback I and disagree. is in a much worse situation. Uh, I know you saw Carson Wentz on Monday night, so you've seen. You've I've had seen the both. Test. I've seen both. Oh, well, even away, of course you have. Um, Dak looks unbelievable. Yeah, but when you've got seven seconds to throw every time, and when you've got sometimes he doesn't the have best seven young running back in the league, not called David Johnson, because he is the best young running back yeah. in the league. You you do have that extra impetus that you're going to be successful I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback but I think Wentz yeah, but Wentz was playing against a bad a very bad Green Bay defence and the, that Eagles offence made the Green Bay defence look good and they're not good I'm they're, they're injured I, lo- I don't think they're not good I think they're injured no they're, they're injured that's, but that's, they're not they're great at up. the moment I think Wentz okay he didn't have a great game but looking at when he was playing well versus how Dak plays, I think you've got to pick Dak. I really do. Were Are you warm enough? Yeah. And how is your tea? Very nice. Just making sure. Uh, just want to make sure you're comfortable. You know, you've come back from nice, hotter climbs, oh, some no. of them. So cold. My, <laughs> when I got in this morning, my house was five degrees. 
Oh my god! The, that's the flame in my boiler had had turned off. You can see how warm our house is right now by touching that funny little copper thing next to you. It'll tell oh, you. Twenty-one. Very uh, nice. That's the temperature it's going up to. What's the lower temperature on at the moment? It says eighteen, I think. So we're at eighteen at oh, the it's moment. It's in two hours. It's twenty-one. Yeah, it's it's slow to warm up because it's so cold at the moment. That's the thing. Normally yeah. three degrees on this thing. Woof. Uh, that was a weird little aside. Uh, I just wanted to make sure you were comfortable, mate. Thanks, mate. Just, just you know, I want to look out for you. Uh, we've been sidetracked already. This has taken us how long? We've been going for like four or five minutes. No, we haven't been going for like 15 minutes. 15 minutes, minutes yeah. <laughs> um, and I have to go soon because I've got to get, get to work. So. Right, hot damn. Let's talk. Um, I did, I, blimey, I didn't realise how late it was. Uh, so the London Games. Four games. The fact is, is that that expansion is going to happen. And I expect it to be two Wembley and two Twickenham. I know most people are saying three Wembley, one Twickenham, and that there's a big... There's been a bit of a backlash against Twickenham. We talked about that in a lot of depth last... When that happened, I don't think there's any need to tread that up again. But the fact is, is that they have the three-game deal with Twickenham and just the basic maths of it. If they only do one game at Twickenham next year, that means in 2018 they have to do two at Twickenham no, they have to do, sorry, two at Wembley because that's the contract, two at Spurs because that's the contract, and the remaining game at Twickenham. So they have no option but to go to five games. I think they'd like to go to five games. I think particularly with the timetable that they may be looking at for making it eight games in the longer run, which we've heard on numerous occasions is 2021-2022. They'd like to move it on quicker now. It's been three years of three games, but... It's that pressure of having to do it, I think, will restrict the NFL from doing it. The thing that confuses me is the 6 p.m. kickoffs, right? I totally get the fact that the West Coast teams, it's unfair when it's a 2.30 in the afternoon that their fans have to get up and watch their team at 6.30 in the morning. Stick a West Coast home team at 6 p.m. Fine with that. Yeah, yeah. But that only represents what? On actual West Coast time, four teams, five teams, I think. You've got Oakland, Seattle, San Francisco, San LA, and San Diego, five. And then Arizona's seven. Yeah. Denver's seven, I think, as well. It might be seven. It could be Denver's six. on that six. I think Denver's just about mountain time. Uh, so, you know... Stick those at six o'clock. Fine. I totally get that. It's too early in the morning. Well, there aren't enough LA Rams fans for it to be honest. (laughs) But then for the one for the other games, 2.30 makes so much more sense. It gives you the extra TV window. The ratings have bounced back since uh, we've been getting into a the better part of the season. The games have been much better in recent weeks and the election's been over. All of those things combined have made a huge, huge deal. Um, oh, I also haven't asked you about the mood in America post-Trump. I, I, I kind of did you speak to any Americans about that? Yeah, I, I a lot of Trump supporters in Dallas, especially. The, very interesting. We're going to have to deal with that in Houston quite a bit, aren't we? Very interesting. Very red state. When I flew into LA, you're welcomed by a, a lot an American flag plus a picture. I realised I hadn't pressed any stabs yet, so yeah. I just decided to play cat meowing. Excellent. Plus a picture of Barack Obama. When you fly in from Mexico to Dallas, you don't see any of that. There's no picture of Barack Obama, which I've, of course, California is. A, there's still no picture of Trump, though. I imagine there's no either. picture of Trump. <laughs> California is a democratic state, and um, uh, Texas, is, of course, always is is a Republican state. So that's maybe why. But really, really interesting. The mood. I don't think I, I got enough of a sample size to, to really... To the bank. 
we'll really try good. we'll try and experience more culture in Houston I feel bad because you're kind of out there on your own and, and it was a tough couple of weeks in terms of how much you had to work and we're going to have a really good time at the Super Bowl buddy I promise you oh man, I me, hope so. you and everyone else is going to be brilliant uh, and the tour next week is next year is going to be amazing because first of all we're both going to get to go on it and we're going to have it's going to be a much more a simpler more enjoyable less travel I just think we tried to cram too much in this year we have to hold our hands up and say we tried to do too much and it was good but it was too much next year will be phenomenal cool right anyway I don't remember where I was at 6pm kickoff so first of all extra TV window that is massive and this stuff about oversaturation get rid of half the Thursday night games Thursday night games used to start in what like week 11 week 12 Start do that again. Start them from mid-season, week eight. We don't need them from week two, three of the season. It's just not needed. I also twelve Thursday night slots. I also think fans will watch football all day. Absolutely, they do it on Thanksgiving. Then you get the Saturday games. Then you've got the divisional playoff games. Fans love football all day. Doesn't matter if 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 you make a if you make a a big deal of it like they did the last two years of them being one o'clock games for us or two two thirty games for us fan uh, american fans love all of that yeah they love all of that watching football in a different country they love that that's why the mexico game was so popular with fans back home because they got to watch nfl at the right time but in a different country. I tell, you, I tell you what's been funny has been since being uh, since being on that profitable talk article and and having the tweet like, retweeted you know, a couple hundred times, or whatever it's been. The vitriol I have got from a small section of American fans and the comments on that article, but it's the same backwards arguments that people were having back in two thousand and seven. Nothing's changed about what they've saying, and it's clearly just people sticking their fingers in their ears and going ah la 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 yeah. la. Don't. I really enjoyed James Hubbard, regular tweeter of ours, put on this big thing on the profitable talk thing, going hold on, and then like picked apart everyone's points as a British guy doing it. I was like, yes, get in, yes, Hubbard, good boy. Um, the uh, the other points, well, the, the whole thing with having the earlier kickoff, it was to, yes, it gave the extra TV window and yes, that's extra money, but it's better for the international market. The biggest complaints I've heard since the talk of the 6pm move is it's going to be much harder for fans coming from elsewhere in the country to come and watch a game and travel back the same night if they want to for the sake of saving money and it's going to be much much harder for people to be able to take their kids we've had quite a few people getting in touch with us saying that they um they own a season ticket at this point here we go robin had season ticket and my kids loved it but if it's six o'clock kickoffs then i can't take them so i'd have to give up my season ticket very sad but we also got to think about this game being at six o'clock the train system here is crap on, oh, a, yeah. sun, on a Sunday. 100%. So if you live in Scotland, you have to stay over because you, you wouldn't you be able to get back. You have to take a back. holiday day. You have to... It, it would be madness. And the other thing, and that's not been talked about very much, is that they want to grow the game in Asia as well. They're talking about doing a game in China this year. What a one thirty slash 2.30 game in London gives you is a primetime game in Asia. 7pm, 8pm, 9pm. And that's much better for their TV market. If you're wanting to grow the game there, three or four games like that a season, particularly if you send a good game. Mm-hmm. I mean, what there's part of me that thinks, and this is completely blue sky thinking, and completely, you know, this isn't this isn't from my source or anything else. This is totally me thinking what they should do. So the Rams look likely to be another team if they don't go to Mexico again. So 
we could almost assume there's going to be a Rams game. There's some talk about maybe Seahawks at Rams, but I think that's just hopeful Seahawks fans. A divisional game would be a funny one to give up while they're growing, trying to grow the fan base in LA. But why not for that fourth game? Really go hell for leather. Give somebody a huge financial in- incentive to give up a home game who normally wouldn't and get a ridiculously good game out here. Get like a Steelers-Cowboys. Get like, a, you know, two of the big all-time franchises and then stick that game on at 2.30 and you see how big the TV audience will yeah. be for that instead of Jags-Bills. Yeah, yeah. 100% right. Because then you'll see, you get the casual fan tuning in. Not just because it's the beginning of the season and it's Thursday night football and then everybody will watch... Jags Titans which they didn't in any any case get you're right get a really big team Packers at Seahawks for instance oh man you know something like that Packers 49ers get a really big franchise I mean maybe wait like three four years for that one until the 49ers have recovered but you know what I mean get a really big (laughs) franchise the heart monitor is still still very faint you know the one win you know the last few games have been tight but it's still just a very faint beep in the background don't worry you'll beat the Bears this this week (laughs) I'm I'm guaranteeing you that you will beat the Bears let me tell the reason why it's your source is definitely correct by the way is because there won't be a game in Mexico next season because the logistics of it and the safety wise and I mentioned it on the pod last time out was so bad that even the NFL wouldn't be able to ignore how atrocious the stewarding the signage the lighting everything was in Mexico they wouldn't be able to to give Mexico another game until that is sorted out the year after because that would be five international series games Ollie, before anything else, I have to make sure I put Fancy Darlings on this podcast. because <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I got the blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to miss it for the second time this season. I feel truly terrible. Uh, there was an interesting Niall Donnelly tweeter saying, Should 49, 49ers v Bears be, play, be played behind closed doors without cameras, quite frankly, for everyone's sake? And I think you could be on something there, Niall. Um, Let's go through, just let's see what the reaction has been on Twitter. And it's been one of our most responded to tweets uh, on this. Um, Tony says, on a serious note, it squeezes out the younger market and the market from outside London, particularly as it's on a school night. Uh, (laughs) He's put, outside London's put brackets. Trust me, there is such a place. Um, Adam Foxcroft, a regular tweeter, has sent us a photo of his little five-year-old with his smiling face outside of Wembley going, try telling this little guy he can't go to games anymore. <laughs> like, we should send that to the NFL as a pure guilt trip. Um, Gerard says, personally, love it. There's always a better atmosphere at night games. Maybe not for Twickenham, though. Interesting. A few people have said better atmosphere oh, for the man. night games. Twickenham's great under the lights. Any, any game played at Twickenham... Under the lights is just outstanding. If you look back at the opening, opener for the World Cup against Fiji, mm. great atmosphere. The game against Wales, another fantastic atmosphere. Twickenham under the lights is one of the best stadiums in the country. Disagree um, with you, pal. Uh, Martin asks don't like the move back to 6pm is it going to be a 2-2 split we've kind of agreed that Paul says prefer 6pm more fun seeing red zone updates during game breaks but I think I look at the people who have said 6pm and when I've looked at their their um uh, profiles most of them tend to be London based not people coming from outside I actually don't know if Paul is but Brad Emerson yay four games boo to late kickoffs my nine year old won't be able to watch them not great for young fans Richard Moore much easier to get back after 1pm four games is great just hope there are a couple of new teams coming over 
uh, Ryan Lee, if you live outside London and don't drive, chances are you can't get back from a 6pm kickoff. You know, everyone has been coming out with very much the same things. Joe says, fine with it. Much prefer five or six games a year than a franchise. Franchise only gets eight in any case. Um, Tennessee Times UK, planning to stay in London anyway, but four games and four stays nearly puts me in the let's watch the games in the USA instead category. I mean, that is a point. If you're paying to come down four times in a season and you're staying over, you're coming from somewhere in the UK, so you're paying for four hotel stops, which in London... For a couple, you're probably looking at paying 80, 90, 100 quid a night, mm-hmm. plus the travel, plus the game tickets. You're getting to the point where you go, I could go to four games in London and get a season ticket, or I could fly out to the States and watch two games in three or four days, and it won't cost me that much, only a few hundred quid more, potentially. Yep. You're getting into that sort of range. So it's another thing to consider, potentially. Um, someone says, wouldn't care if it was at 4 a.m. if Washington were back at Wembley, brackets, as long as the bars were still open. It's fair, but I don't think everyone's going to uh, uh, mind that. Uh, <laughs> four games equals zero games if no Packers... Oh, right, so he's saying he's not going to come to any games unless his team are there. Well, that's yeah, fair enough. And look, I, I've got I'm not even got halfway down the messages. So everyone is saying basically the same sort of thing. British fans aren't happy with it. And I think the NFL will listen to that. Maybe not to our thing, but it's about growing the popularity here. So I think they will... I think there'll be... My gut feeling is there'll be a mix. Well, they'll a couple, be, they'll, couple of people... They'll go back to what they did two years ago where they have one maybe two early games and one or two evening games well a couple of people here have said it. Matthew progress towards eight games and I hope they go back to the 6pm starts missed having red zone in the stadium and tailgate time uh, but you can do that after the game that's the exactly. point is that if you want to stick around and tailgate and if you're happy with the later start it means you can go to the green man it means you can go to the hippodrome it means you can go to our after party if we do it at more than one game next year I'm and not really getting the, the kickoffs. Not, Aldo says I've not been to any early kickoffs, but some 6 p.m. kickoffs and loved it. Spending the hours before at tailgate really enhanced the experience. Well, I don't really get that because you can still do that when it's a 2.30 game. And you get to go and watch it. The thing I really enjoyed was West Coast tailgating when we went out there over East Coast tailgating purely for the Great. reason that with a West Coast tailgate, you can get there at 10 a.m., you can watch the earlier kickoff and then go into the stadium. And if you're the Sunday night game, which it was when we were in San Francisco, you can watch the 10 a.m. games, then the 1 p.m. games, and then go into the stadium absolutely hammered. Um, it was a terrible idea, me doing that. I got very rowdy. <laughs> and Candlestick is a terrible stadium. Um, I just wanted to throw that in there. I don't really know why. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement. NFL, give us more games. Keep them at the time we want them. We're the most important fans in the world, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, should we start to look forward to the weekend's games? We've got quite a lot of questions as well, but I am very wary of time for you. Buddy. Well, let's mix them up. Let's go. Uh, right. Let's uh, First of all, we uh, Thursday night review will have done one at the beginning, but quickly, tonight, Cowboys-Vikings. You've got to say the Cowboys, even if, it, even if it's in the, 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 glass, the glass house of joy. <laughs> what did I call it again that was really funny that everyone really liked I can't remember <laughs> apparently the Viking Stadium is uh, almost a copy of the of AT&T which again best stadium I've ever been to this is kind of the the, the new stadium derby I, I guess it's not quite it's nothing like that no one will ever call it that but I'm all for the Dallas Cowboys in this because a Cowboys win puts us Green Bay one win behind 
Minnesota. Come on, Cowboys. Uh, so, hold on. Yeah, I guess so. That's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know how bad you've been recently? Uh, I mean that in the nicest way. Thanks. Hey guys, it's Devon Sam here from LucasAid Sports Podcast, running the show. Check out this week's episode where we get to meet the one and only Anthony Joshua. Oh my goodness, do you think he wants to be friends with us now? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he told me that he wants to link up and have a bit of sparring. Yeah, sure he did. So head to all your podcast providers and click subscribe now. Also get in touch with us at LucasAid Sport using the hashtag running the show. You will not regret it. <laughs> so uh just a few let's go through a few questions then weaving games as we talk about them and well have you thrown to cal uh, thursday night football no no what i'll do is because i haven't recorded the intro yet pull back the curtain here let's split the split the trousers i don't know what that means um <laughs> i've ever told you about when i split my trousers outside of mars volta gig no that is a story for another time i hung brain around manchester for about three hours it was not a good one <laughs> <laughs> right. i just can't believe i used that phrase um so i'll i'll do the intro and then i'll do the thursday night off the back of the intro and then i'll throw to us starting the podcast for real all right nice Does that makes sense so you've already spoken about how the cowboys won the vikings won Time, uh, you know, time, I, you know, I never edit those. Time out. coding that? No, <laughs> right, no. You yeah. know, I literally never edit those thanks, out. Thanks. Um, oh, I've looked, my flies are undone. How long's that been that way, Ollie? I don't know. I wasn't looking. Oh, let's get on with it. Um, <laughs> uh, questions on Twitter, and then we we'll use it to get in. Uh, Adam Foxcroft, as I set up the first of my twenty-four advent calendar beers. What a great advent calendar that is. What is your favourite brew slash style of beer? This is not related to the games at all. It's the first question I got to. Uh, I don't know. I love all I'm, beer. I'm not a great lover of dark beer or beer that's meant to be room temperature or beer that's warm or flat beer. Don't like an ale. I'm not an ale, man. I love an ale. The right ale, a good a good IPA, and I don't mean an American-style IPA, these new super hoppy. I mean an old-fashioned British, like, country pub IPA. I don't mind a summer one, like a pale yeah, yeah, ale. Yeah. Ooh, That's okay. Yeah, but then... I want to go get some beer now, please. I'm leaning towards... Now, I really like wheat beer, and... Like I, an Erdinger. I love it. That's what I was exactly going for. I love an Erdinger. I love it. That's exactly it's what It's too heavy. You can't session an Erdinger. You can't have like eight go. pints of Erdinger. You have a couple. But different people can have different stuff. I can have eight pints of Guinness. I love Guinness. I can, I can tell you my exact favourite beer right, right now. But the brewery that we, um, the brewery we get it from is a London brewery. It's a very popular one. But it is... Um, uh, the, the the beer is a uh, I was told very clearly when I last went into the the tap house which is a beer pub that it is a seasonal beer so you can only get it seasonally okay and that is that orange IPA that we had oh at god the ring yeah. that time yeah, yeah, yeah. that was incredible I'm go- I'll find out the name for that, that, that was later. that was great oh what was the name of that it's on my Instagram. I took a picture of the. I love that you took a picture of, it. of the thing off of my Instagram. Oh yeah, that's great. It's um, it's a blood orange beer. Someone will know. I I reckon if we didn't even tell anyone, someone would know what we're talking about. It's uh, from the same people that do the something head IPA, right? Anyway, sorry, we're talking about beer too much. Let's talk about yeah, football. Carry sport. on. Um, 
th- two different people tweeted this. I don't know if one saw the other one's tweet, but Michael tweeted us saying, as a Ravens fan, I'm looking on how to act when my team is relevant in December. Please help. And Rob Fussy asks, great to hear the Raiders being talked about in a positive way into the season. How do I curb my excitement? Uh, now, the Raiders this weekend, they come up against the Buffalo Bills playing in Oakland, um, which is a game that, up front I fully expect they can win the Bills are now at 6-5 and five after last weekend but they came very close to losing to the Jags and it took a late rally and actually Oakland are only three, points fav- three point favourites in this but the big come from behind win against the Panthers and Khalil Mack's performance showed me that this is a team you can still take seriously into the playoffs however I promised you an AFC West hot take and I'm going to give you one the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the AFC West. Mate, that doesn't surprise me. I watched the entirety of that game. And by the way, what a bloody brilliant game of football that was. The oh, first, just everything about it was so the, much fun. Someone on the tour said that the first half was boring and they switched it off. You don't like football, sir. This game, that first half, was about Justin Houston versus Von Miller. That first half was insane. Justin Houston played the perfect first half. The QB hits was, uh, I think it was... I think it was three. I think the pressures were six. The sacks were three. The uh, tackles tackles for loss were three. He was insane. And I tweeted it out, and it got a like from Greg Rosenthal. Greg, next time retweet it. Thanks, mate. Um, there we go. Oh, you can't do that too loudly. My wife's sleeping. Oh, <laughs> the Chiefs. It's also horrendously out of time. <laughs> the Chiefs' defense with Justin Houston is up there with the top one, two, three defenses in the league. So here's here's my take on it. They go to the Falcons this weekend in what to me is one of the absolute games of the weekend. Now, as somebody tweeted us, the Falcons, uh, Nick Boyd asked us, with arguably two of their best five players on D ruled out for the rest of the season, can the Falcons still compete late into the playoff? And So they've lost Adrian Claiborne and Desmond Trufon, who's on injured reserve. And Adrian Claiborne has been the kind of unsung man on the other side of that defensive uh, front with Vic Beasley, Beasley being yeah. so impressive on the other side. So the Chiefs go to the Falcons this week in a game that, OK, I get the Chiefs had a bad loss two weeks ago against Tampa Bay, but then we see what Tampa Bay did against the Seahawks and, yeah. and that Tampa Bay, suddenly those playmakers who two, three weeks ago we were saying what they're not getting is big plays out of Alteron Werner, is big plays out of Levante David, suddenly, and a big plays out of Gerald McCoy, suddenly at every level of their defence, they are getting big plays out of them. They're getting picks, they're getting ta- sacks, they're getting tackles for loss. And I think that the Chiefs was it's like when the Dolphins beat the Steelers earlier in the year and everyone went, no, that's not going to happen. And then the Dolphins gone on this amazing tear. I feel like the Bucks could be doing the same. And I'm not saying I think they're going to win the South, but I think the Chiefs go to the Falcons this week and I think they win. They've then got to take on. They go to the Chargers on the last day of the season, but the Chargers might not be playing for anything at that point. They've got three games at Arrowhead in a row after this week. They've got the Raiders at home. Massive the game. Titans at home and the Broncos at home. <sighs> Oh, it, it's that four weeks in a row that the Chiefs have Maybe probably the best, the best game. games. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I genuinely think the Chiefs could be 12-3 and three at the end of that run. 
12 say they lose one more game by the end of the season they lose one more game by the end of the season oh, 12 <laughs> that's 12 and 4 and as long as one of the teams they beat is the Raiders who they already have they went in there and they thrashed the Raiders mm. uh, at the Coliseum if they beat the Raiders next week and they go 12 and 4 tell me that's not going to win the AFC West I genuinely think so I'm sorry the Raiders fans who have got in touch and asked us to be nice to you but with Rob Gronkowski down for the rest of the, the regular season as we mentioned the Chiefs might even get the first seed in the AFC at 12-4 and because the Pats could lose another two games potentially they could yeah so yeah that's my take on that I, I like the take I've taken the Falcons <laughs> but that's not the point oh brilliant thanks we kind of talked about three different games there so I apologise well, what, did, what did you make of the Seahawks and the Bucks. I didn't see this game, so I don't know what that offense was all about. I know that Russell Wilson was the leading rusher, but also threw two interceptions. I know that other things didn't quite work out for them. Should people be worried, or should Seahawks fans be worried? What's weird is that you and I had a conversation about this very thing in the, the week before. I said that I fully expect the Seahawks to win that game, but as we've seen two or three times this year, they have this tendency to have these weird games where they just lay an absolute egg on offense, and they were just they were just beaten at every level. Tampa Bay were just a better team. Mike Evans completely out physical that's not really a phrase uh he completely he, he outplayed richard sherman was too physical for him was too big for him and dominated him on the outside and it was really impressive james winston made great throws they got their running game going the offensive line certainly looks better and as, as i said on defense they just were getting plays done they look like they're going to struggle without cj pro size there they look like they're going to struggle on the run side of things the offensive line is still a mess and unfortunately Russell Wilson can't bail you out of every single game doing that and I just went from thinking the Seahawks were going to win the AFC the NFC me too last week to suddenly being like wow if the Bucks can do that why can't the Cowboys do that I'm going to go and buy my jersey now um, are the um, are the Bucks the NFC's equivalent of the Tennessee Titans I, I, the problem is... The because they're two very underrated defences that get it done. Two really nice quarterbacks. They've got a wide receiver in Richard Matthews and um, Mike Evans. You know, oh, Richard, uh, Richard Matthews and Mike Evans. I mean, but what I'm I, saying is Richard Matthews is that big physical guy who is their number one receiver. I'm not comparing them in terms of skill set, but they've got that guy who that they can throw the ball to, along with Delaney Walker there as well. They're kind of in similar... They could see, sneak into the playoffs. Uh, they could sneak into the playoffs, uh, but if they're going to, I think they have to do it as the NFC South champions. And even though they're only a game or two back on the Falcons, I still don't think that will happen. I still think that the Falcons have got enough offensively. I just think the Chiefs is a really big test this week. Um, look, most most of the other questions on here, let, uh, I don't think are particularly about the games. Let's just see who's been the biggest surprise and biggest disappointment this season as a player and a team, Matt Hubbard asks. I think my biggest surprise is probably... Oh, it's really tough to call, isn't it? Because the the, the I think the Cowboys... It's too boring to say the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, really, isn't it? It's almost too boring yeah. to say. I never expected them to go 10-1 and one because I bet um, a jersey that they wouldn't. I think it's the Panthers. Panthers have been a massive... Uh, Cardinals as well. Two massive surprises. The NFC Championship um, teams. I think we mentioned this in our midweek, uh, mid-season uh, awards pod. Those two have been the biggest surprises for me. Um, and it's, it's a, and ergo the biggest disappointments. Yeah, it's a surprise disappointment, which <laughs> kind of covers us on all bases. Yeah. That means we've answered your question. Um, 
let's let's rattle through the games this weekend because I'm very aware that you need to uh, get off. Just make sure there's any other news we haven't missed. We haven't talked. Jay Cutler's out for the season and will no longer be a, a Chicago Bear next year. We kind of covered that last time, but just to mention it. Oh, do you know what I did think about? Yeah, this what week? if he goes to for- the San Francisco? Uh, I <laughs> I would stop supporting the 49ers until he left. <laughs> Ollie's dying. Ollie, please don't die. You've only just come back to me. Yeah, true that. Um, the yeah, I'd stop supporting the Forty ers until he left. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I like. I fully mean hard. Stop supporting them. Never wear my jersey. Never watch them on TV. I would stop supporting them if they were. If they went to the Super Bowl with Jay Cutler, I'd want them to lose. Wow, I hate him that much. Who would you support if you stopped supporting the Forty ers The Jags. Maybe be a Packers fan just so I can be your best friend. You already are, mate. Oh, what thanks. about what about uh, the I support, Steelers? I support the Pats, obviously. Oh, what, like all the other <laughs> Pats fans jump on their bandwagon. Is that, is that what you're saying? No. Um, it's worth mentioning about the Gronk news because he has been such a huge part of their offense over the past few years and had a phenomenal year last year in his first season where he only missed like one game with injury. But... Look at the rest of their schedule beyond this. Ravens this weekend at the Broncos. Jets. They've still got to play the Dolphins. I still, I do think they can lose two more games. The Patriots. I do think they might not. Rams this weekend. Do you mean Rams again? I mean Ravens beyond that. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Fine. Um, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to. They're not going to lose to the Rams. No, they won't. The Rams are terrible. I think they could lose against the Ravens. Ravens. Ravens at Broncos. Jets at Dolphins. There's, at Broncos. Jets and Dolphins playing well do turn it on the form goes out of the window when it comes to the Dolphins at times they they could lose three out of those five. Oh, and before we get to go running through the games quickly by the way Trent Bolke 49er struggles fall on my shoulders I should take the blame not the coaching don't worry Trent you are that's all I just wanted to get that out there I just wanted to show you that <laughs> what is that? Ah, uh, yes. Beaver Town. That's it's, the stuff. It's Beaver Town Bloody L. Orange, Blood Orange IPA. 7.2%. Oh, is it in season? Can I get some? Yep. This was taken 25 weeks ago, so no. no. <laughs> in fact, you couldn't be more out of season right now. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Was it really 25 weeks ago we were drinking that in the pub? That's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, right, let's run through the rest of the games for the weekend then. So, uh, we've already talked about the Cowboys Vikings that's tonight. Broncos go to the Jaguars, who are somehow only three and a half point favourites for this game. Now, Trevor Simeon's still in a walking boot, so it's like looking likely like Paxton Lynch will start this game. Uh, but Ooh. the old big hands Paxton. But is that really enough for us to start fancying the Jags? I've gone, I've gone so many home wins that I can't switch Broncos to to the Jaguars now because someone's got to win on the road <laughs> it just has to happen it has to happen statistically it would be ludicrous otherwise yeah so I'll stuff it I'll switch the Dolphins and then go Jaguars are you going to take the Jags? I'm going to take the Jags oh I love you buddy uh, I said that too much on this podcast you really have it's got a bit weird <laughs> you sent me it in text <laughs> <laughs> um, while we've been sat here as well that's the thing it sounds like you mean it another time right now while we've been here yeah uh, Chiefs at Falcons. Well, we've mentioned this a little bit. Um, I think that, I just feel like that Chiefs defense, Justin Houston, that pass rush was so good against the Broncos. The special teams is great. Tyreek Hill looks like a superstar. Spencer Ware still running. Like, actually, best he'd ran against the Broncos since he came back off his concussion. Mm. 
everything about that team I'm liking right now. And the Falcons, could, weirdly, this could be a shootout. You've convinced me I've taken the Chiefs. Yes. Falcons <laughs> are the favourites. But um, interesting game in New Orleans, actually. Lions at Saints. Lions leading the NFC North. Yep. Yeah, don't want to talk about that too much. Mental. Um, but they're going to New Orleans where their lack of playmakers on defence. What they did was they got in Sam Bradford's face at Thanksgiving and it's exactly what they needed to do because the Vikings have really simplified the offence. They can't run the ball whatsoever. The difference with the Saints is they're very multifaceted right now. They can run the ball rather well. Michael Thomas looks like an absolute beast. Seven touchdowns already this season. I, I just think that Saints offence could be too much for them. That Saints offence is fantastic. When you think of the, the two, um, the double punch of Tim Hightower and Mark Ingram, you've got, I like your double punch there. Kobe Fleener is, is your tight end. Sneed, Thomas, um, Cooks is the wide receivers. This is not bothering with the microphone anymore. D- sorry, uh, I, I had to think how many fingers I'd, I'd uh, put, in, put out there. <laughs> I, I'm really, really enjoying watching the Saints at the moment. Loving what they do. Great uniforms, great stadium. Hashtag hit watch. I'm taking the Saints all day long. I'm going to take the Saints as well. I might not take the six-point line. No, I am going to. Um, Texans at Packers. The Texans are finally going to get back to 500 when they have to go into Green Bay. The table running's happening, buddy. You're going to do it. Do you mean the Packers are going to go back to 500? But yes. No, no, both the Packers. This is my point. This is a game. Oh, the Texans are 6-5. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. The, uh, this is going to be a game that ends with both teams at 500. The Packers looked really good against the Eagles. That throw to Devontae Adams for the second touchdown, like how he made that catch over the corner was ridiculous. But just the rainbow arch of it, the perfect precision passing. And okay, in the second half, their offense fell off a little bit. Well, they um, went into Mike McCarthy prevent defense and uh, prevent oh, offense prevent really. offense really so but that throw was incredible i was sat pretty much in the opposite end of the stadium mm. upper tier but it didn't seem possible that he caught that ball from from pretty much where we are or or maybe even in the whole stadium itself and eagles fans who are traditionally terrible awful people but also who can't give any praise to anyone ever that's not an eagle they were saying i can't believe he caught that i can't believe that throw was caught by that guy like that it was insane there were some brilliant moments of commentary actually this past weekend that was a brilliant one um where with uh gruden's going how did he catch that ball um <laughs> but i what i the one I, <laughs> can you do that again please <laughs> how did he catch that ball first time was better uh, that's because I'm laughing I know um, but the other one was we could just play these commentaries in but it's almost more fun me doing them was Torico on Sunday Night Football Have, you watched that on the TV didn't you so did you see the call for the winning field goal from Cairo Santos Cairo Santos uh, I had it down low because Andrew Hill was sleeping next to me wow sexy separate beds though um so it went in off the upright, obviously. It was incredible, yeah. Um, I whooped. And so he literally goes, he, go, he went, <laughs> he went, it's off the upright. Like thinking it wasn't going to go in. And like obviously waiting for the, the zebras to either put their arms up or do the wave. And they put their arms up and he went, and in! <laughs> and in! 
like they screamed it a second time, and then um, uh, Chris Collinsworth, Collinsworth sat next to him, just went wow, <laughs> and then at, at the end we went, that's the only way this game could have ended. Holy smokes! <laughs> <laughs> but that it how good the game was though those guys together as well were so good together i really liked Rico doing the the sunday night game I collinsworth know. is is a is a class apart but he, he brings out the best in Tariko. I that, and and don't get me wrong it's it's been a bit of a weird one this year because um it, it it's been a bit of a kind of weird one this year with that because Obviously, we're so used to the the usual Sunday night team. Of, yeah, Al Michaels uh, with, and of Al, of Al and Chris, exactly. And Al is so good. And I really was disappointed when they took Tariko off Monday night football. But Al Michaels is getting to that age. They need him to have weeks off. Yeah. You're going to get a better replacement than Tariko. And I guess that'll be his job longer term. Just love it. Absolutely love it. Um, and the best thing is Chris Collinsworth, who I spoke to when they came over to London and they did a game, he has got one of the greatest voices oh. any man I've ever met, like in real life as Plus well. Plus, it's he, he's so it's it's kind of radio uh, rhymes with spank, spanky. Um, <laughs> it's it's rather that, but it's so warm. Yes, his voice, so warm. It's so, and that's all you need. That's all you need is a warm, comforting voice calling the game, and the way that those two did it on um, on Sunday night. I just loved it. So right, Packers beat Texans this weekend. Yeah, Brock Osweiler. Right, I, I'm I'm sticking by my guns. Still I, terrible. I'm giving you at the Bears. Right, which is in week fifteen. Yeah, I'm giving you home to the Vikings as well. Yeah, it's going to happen in week sixteen because the Vikings are struggling. That's eight and uh, yeah, eight okay. six. Next week, you've got the Seahawks at home. I'm having us there. I think that cha- that changes just it. You beat the Seahawks, you go to the playoffs. Yeah. Because Sunday the 1st of January, New Year's Day, at the Detroit Lions, I think for the third of the last four seasons, we're going to end the year with an NFC North game as Sunday night football. And, yeah, I think if you beat the, Se- if you beat the Texas this week, Seahawks next week, if you win these next two games, I think you then will definitely beat the Bears and Vikings because it'll be on the tear. And then the division might come down to the Lions in the final weekend. Getting excited, man. I'm getting excited about the NFC North. Oh, my God. Which was, which was nearly our division of disgrace early in the season. You need so to have words with yourself. I need to have words with myself. Let's move it on. Rams at Patriots. Patriots are 13-point favourites, and I don't think that's enough. Even with Gronk out, Martellus Bennett, who has had his injury issues recently, I think he'll get used even more. The, the the funny thing is with the Patriots that they haven't been using necessarily their wide receivers as much. And I think we'll see a lot more of Tom Brady throwing to those guys, Edelman, um, Hogan, Mitchell and Bennett. I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a big day for all of those. We could also see a lot more uh, running backs catching the ball. James White, um, who's the guy that was injured the whole way through the season and has come back to to come back to the um come back from injury what's his name come on will gavin what you weren't even listening to me <laughs> that guy as well he'll he'll be back um, I, I was paying attention but i just i started to get distracted because someone was asking me if mike mccarthy's can get fired and it was just so coincidental that that question came in at the moment we were just talking about them it really weirded me out oh yeah that is that is weird yeah yeah <laughs> okay i've i've taken the patriots though they they are big 
big favourites. Um, just to let you know, a bit of live updating on the podcast. We were hoping to have Andrew Brandt on the show today. If you've never heard our show with him back before the last draft, one of the best thinkers in football media, used to be uh, head of player contracts at the Packers. He was the guy who got the Aaron Rodgers deal done when they brought him in in the first round. Um, he's a really fascinating thinker, had lots to say on the 6pm London games when he was on the Ross Tucker football show, and he's written a brilliant article on the MMQB about Kirk Cousins and the contract negotiations. He is going to join us next Monday or Tuesday for Ooh, our Week 13 great. review show. So that's booked in for next week. That should be a good show. Dion Lewis was the guy I was trying to think of. Yeah, Dion Lewis. Great shout, mate. Thanks. Uh, it's because he was on one of the Patriots rounds I switched off. I know. Carry on. Dolphins at Ravens. Who knew this was going to be such a good game a few weeks ago? If you told me five weeks ago that this was going to be like an AFC wildcard decider potentially, and I know they're still in they're still in with a shot at the north, the Ravens, but the Dolphins have been amazing in recent weeks, how they've managed to eke out these wins. And whilst they should have put the 49ers away a lot earlier, Tannehill's actually been really good the last two weeks. I think that... I think he's been good because they've designed the offense around him and the run game being much better has helped him. But when you consider they've been without Brandon Albert, without Laramie Tunsil, without Pouncey at center, then I would have guessed they would have lost one of those two games. Mm. And it's because Tannehill in that designed offense. And I think what I'm very quickly learning is what Adam Gase does better than anyone else and what we saw him do with Cutler and what we're seeing him do with Tannehill is he takes limited guys and designs an offense around them and, and makes them look much better than they are. And it's what he's doing again in Miami. Um, uh, Simon Clancy's going to join us for a show next week as well, so I'm sure he'll have some hot Dolphins takes. But this is a massive coin flip for me. I'm I think I'm going to take the Ravens because they're at home, but that's my only real reason for it. I've taken the Dolphins because I think they're on a streak. I mean, they are on a streak, and I think that winning streak continues. The Ravens my, aren't that great. Here's my problem. The Ravens' defense is fantastic oh, yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Like, uh, genuinely, the, I look at uh, the Ravens. CJ Mosley, Suggs. They've got their superstar names like those guys in Weddle, but their defensive line has been phenomenal this year. Um, guy Michael Pierce, who's been coming in and playing both nose tackle <laughs> and on say the guy outside. Pierce? Guy Pierce, no. <laughs> no, because they've got Lawrence Guy. It confused me. Right. Michael Pierce, who is an undrafted rookie, might be playing one of the best rookie defensive seasons of anyone in the league, including all those other big names we've talked about in previous weeks. And he's kind of being a bit untalked about, but him, Timmy Jernigan, Brandon Williams getting three-man pressure, Suggs has been really good, Mosley's been really good, Weddle's been really good. Like, this could be a really interesting battle because it's an improving offense against a very good defense. And then you've got Joe Flacco. And let me tell you how bad Joe Flacco's been in recent weeks. Let's talk 49ers-Bears. Just very briefly. Sorry, he's been as bad as 49ers Bears. <laughs> he, Colin Kaepernick, the last three weeks, and I actually watched the 49ers game in full last weekend because um, uh, because Jonathan Harding, the German football expert um, from 442, who knows Archie Rintut and is very good on Twitter, he was over and he's a big 49ers fan. And so I met up with him and a couple of other guys. We went and watched it in the Hippodrome. So we watched the 49ers in full. The last three weeks, Colin Kaepernick has looked like a serviceable NFL quarterback. Like, not just in terms of the quality of his throwing and his running, because he ran for 100 yards in that game, but he's been showing pocket poise, he's stepped up, he makes more than one read. Like, n none of it's good. He's like the 20th best quarterback over the last few weeks. But do you know who he's been better than? 
Joe Flacco mm. and Eli Manning and these guys who actually are having bad seasons but good, have good reputations. Flacco's been terrible. They are a bad offense. Maybe I do want to take the Dolphins. I'm Change gonna, it. Let's take, take the, I'm going to take the Dolphins. You've got to take some away teams. Take, uh, take the Dolphins. Um, I'm also going to take the Bears because I want the 49ers to get the second number overall pick. For uh, Lamar Jackson? Uh, maybe. Maybe. After picking up Colin Kaepernick? Do you, I, surely you need more on defence? My feeling is I would rather not take a quarterback this year. Kaepernick's base salary is cheap. He's not going to get all his incentives because we're not going to the bloody playoffs. His base salary is like 14 million, 15 million next season. Keep him, use him, build. Tell not me, who around would you rather him, have? But build in spite of him. Build your defense, build your offensive line, bring in another wide receiver who we desperately need. You know, there's so many holes on that team that focusing so much on a quarterback. I always feel like drafting quarterbacks to a bad team is a terrible idea. Mm. Jared Goff is a prime example. Carson Wentz has gone to like a middling team and looked good, but had his patches. Dak Prescott is an average quarterback in a very good team. I mean, average quarterback in the fourth round is a great find, but he's an average quarterback in a great team. That's what we need. We need that. So we need to build the team, then find the quarterback. And I think that's the way round we need to do it. Sorry, what you're about, going to ask a rhetorical. Well, what about Mariota to the Titans? You, or you really need to leave it about two minutes' time. Jameis Winston to the Bucks. Yeah, I do. Okay, but um, I was going to ask you, for next season, you can have Brock Osweiler or Colin Kaepernick. Who do you take? Colin Kaepernick. Easy. And that just shows that John Elway had the exact right idea to get rid of, not to offer, over-offer for Brock Osweiler. Carry on. Apologies. Move on. I, it, the Brock Osweiler hate continues here on the Gridiron Show. Right. Let's <laughs> rattle through. There's some really good games we're not talking about yet. Eagles at Bengals. I'm going to take the Eagles because I think the Bengals are on a catastrophic season at this point. Bengals. I think the Eagles are a terrible football team. Bills at Raiders. We kind of talked about it. Raiders. Depth, but we didn't take the teams. I'm going to take Raiders as well. Um, I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. Bucks at Chargers. That's a good game. Yeah. Very good game. I, Chargers are I quite like and they... You saw that they managed to get it done uh, against the Texans. Okay, Texans aren't very good on offense. I like the Bucks in this this game. I've gone. Do you know for the what? Bucks. Do you know what? The Bucks have been so good in the last two weeks that they're that I'm going to take the Chargers because I think they'll fall off a cliff, yeah. and I like the Chargers at home. Okay. Um, Giants at Steelers. It's a great game. I love the Steelers. I think the Steelers are going to win that one. I as love well. the Steelers. I feel bad that we're not talking about this game in more depth, but. I made a statement to you earlier, and I can't remember whether I said this on the show or off the show. I think I might have said it off the show. I look at the Giants' schedule the rest of the way, at the Steelers this weekend, home to the Cowboys, home to the Lions, at the Eagles, at Washington. If this 8-3 and three team went 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, I wouldn't be that shocked. I think they could go 10-6 and six there. I'm just saying... I wouldn't be that surprised if the if, if the Giants lost every game left this season, mm. that wouldn't be that big a surprise to me. Yeah, okay. okay. Feels harsh. I can, no, I understand. But, I understand. And I'm going to get some hate for it. But uh, Washington are at the Cardinals. and Washington are a very good football team. A uh, very good football team. They could have won that game in Dallas. Cardinals have still got a really good defence, and they've still got David Johnson, and they're still at home. I'm, I'm taking cards. I'm going to take Washington. All right, fair Just enough. Just mix it up. Yeah, mix it up. Mix pa- it up. Panthers at Seahawks. I think it'll be a Seahawks bounce back, and I think the Panthers had that emotional, tough loss last weekend. I'm going to take the Seahawks. Ditto. 
this is really bad predicting, but there we go. And then Colts, Jets. How is that Monday Night Football? It's probably... It's because you can't flex out of Monday Night Football. It could basically. be one of the worst Monday Night Footballs that we've had. I'm taking the Colts because Andrew Luck will be back. I'm, I, I, yeah, that's enough for me as well. Yeah. That's enough for me as well. Look, mate, you've already got to go. So we will love you and leave you. Thank you for tuning in and enjoying Ollie's return. We'll be back early next week. We're going to be speaking to Andrew Brandt from the MMQB and former Packers executive. We're going to be talking uh, plenty of football as well. We'd love to hear from you at Gridiron on Twitter. Uh, Like us on iTunes and rate us on Stitcher and wherever else you listen to the show. It all really does help. Uh, And you know what? We ask for questions. We punt for questions every week on the show, uh, on, on Twitter. But don't wait for us to ask on Twitter. Send us them during the week. And... You know, as well as that, reply to the tweets that we send because people who quote tweet them, I always forget to read them. And I've always, I've just remembered that a couple of people quote tweeted them and I made a point to try and remember to read those ones and I forgot. So it always happens. Um, and we have to finish the show, yeah. as we always should at the end of the week, with Fantasy Darlings. <laughs> It's been a bad year for all sorts of reasons. Brexit, Trump, smaller Toblerones. So it's refreshing that one man at least is trying to take us back to 2013. That man is Colin Kaepernick. After starting the season behind Blaine Gabbert, just saying that makes me feel a bit sick, Cap's return to the starting lineup has seen a return to relevance from a fantasy point of view. He has scored at least 22 fantasy points in each of his last four games, with 50 or more rushing yards in four of his last six. He's also available in over 85% of NFL.com leagues. His opponent this week, the Chicago Bears, are allowing an average of 226 yards passing at home in 2016, and despite allowing just the 18th most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, game script and opportunity is likely to help Cap flourish. Happy 2013, everyone! Taken in the same draft as Kaepernick, Andy Dalton faces a tough task this week as the Bengals take on the Eagles. Even after being surgically torn to pieces by Aaron Rodgers on Monday night, the Eagles are still only allowing the ninth fewest fantasy points per game to quarterbacks in 2016. Dalton struggled without his binky AJ Green last week and has throughout his career. In games without Green, Dalton averages nearly 40 more yards passing, but a whole half a touchdown less than when his stud wideout is on the field. If the likes of Leodis McKelvin and Rodney McLeod can be relied upon to cover and tackle receivers, instead of trying to launch them into the next state, Dalton may struggle to get the ball into his receiver's hands in the end zone this week. Say it quietly, but the New York Giants are trying to be balanced on offence. They've made a concerted effort to get and keep Rashad Jennings involved in recent weeks, with the veteran back accumulating at least 50 rushing yards in his last three games, including two with more than 80. Wow! The Steelers' defence, so stingy to fantasy-wide receivers, has been somewhat weaker against running backs this season. They've allowed a 100-yard rusher in each of their last two home games, and while Jennings is probably not in the same class as LeGarrette Blount or Ezekiel Elliott, probably, if he sees a steady workload, he could be a worthwhile flex option this week. One of the most polarising figures in fantasy football this off-season was Panthers wideout Kelvin Benjamin. If you were in the he's-not-that-good camp, after week two you were probably feeling pretty, pretty silly. I know I was. K-Benj exploded for 22.8 fantasy points that week, 
but his next eight games have seen just 63.7 points combined. <laughs> I don't feel silly now. Benjamin has a single touchdown in his last seven games and has just five receptions in his last two. A game against the Legion of Boom is probably not the ideal way for him to get back on track, so take my advice, don't expect him to. The revolving door at wide receiver in Chicago has led to yet another chance for Marquise Wilson. Wilson, who spent his career on the verge of breaking out, before ultimately breaking down, was targeted 11 times by Matt Barkley last week, converting these looks into 8 grabs for 125 yards and a touchdown. He was a shining light among what was mostly a word rhyming with light. The 49ers have seen four wide receivers go over 100 yards against them this season, including the rotting corpse of Michael Floyd no less, with 16 in total taking at least 51 yards off them. They've also allowed 20 wide receiver touchdowns. This is Wilson's best chance of becoming a star in the NFL since, well, his last one. While Kelvin Benjamin invited debate, discussion and downright disagreement this summer, the footballing free world were united in their love of Alan Robinson and the Jacksonville Jaguars in general. The capital gain by these good feelings has evaporated over the course of the season, as Blake Bortles has taken the Jags' offence to depths not seen since the last time I watched the hunt for Red October. Robertson tried manfully to reward his owner's patience with a decent three-game run a few weeks back, but his last two games have seen him not targeted just 11 times in total for five catches, 42 yards and a single score. Like Benjamin, A-Rob's Week 13 opponents are not likely to offer much of an antidote to his current ills, as the Denver Broncos have allowed the fewest fantasy points per game, the fewest receptions and the fewest touchdowns to wide receivers. It pains me to say it, Alan, but you've been about as welcome this year as the smaller Toblerone. Here's hoping you'll both be back to your biggest and best very, very soon. 